Lab Podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. I'm Chris Heine. And I'm Francesca Butchko. And this week, we are so full of all the cookies in the universe, including the weird ones that I made this last Sunday. Sorry to everybody that had to eat those. I'm not really sure why I'm not a very good cook. But uh, Jenny made some delicious things. I did. I made some maple cinnamon pear cookies. It's pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. They have maple syrup in them. Yep. <laughs> like real maple syrup. But and then they're Chris, very good. I made s'mores bars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is the easiest. I don't think I can follow recipes correctly. I feel like... I know were... you can't because you're already... Before we even got in the car, you're just like, I think I'm going to put zero sugar. It calls for <laughs> like six cups of sugar, but I think I'm going to put half of them. I was like, shortbread's not very sweet. It'd so fine. cookies are a... I don't know, like a scientific reaction. Like yeah. things are actually reacting. So the equations are important. So that's like if you take one thing out, you have to add in other stuff. Well, see, I, uh, I'm i not sure what happened there. I just put slightly less sugar. Chris is, Chris is exaggerating. There is <laughs> sugar in there. There's like five grains of sugar in there, not zero grains. Wait, so but, it's, a, it's a shortbread? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm, that's interesting. Shortbread without sugar. I thought yeah. shortbread was just butter and sugar. Yeah, it pretty much is. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now it's just butter cookies. <laughs> it's pistachio uh, and lots of butter. It tastes like a piece of toast. It's fine. It tastes like a dog biscuit. Sorry to everybody that ate them. <laughs> so anyway, but we had an awesome cookie party. It was our, oh my God, I think we've been calling it the fifth, fourth, sixth, like seventh cookie party i don't even remember when the first one really was i think we lost track of time well it started before like rare art lab so it did so it must it's be the six years old fourth like rare art lab one mm-hmm. six yep oh yeah yeah fourth, fourth like gray. gray sixth total but it it's always super fun and of course like we're at a time in the year when finals just ended for everybody that's still in school and teachers i know there's a lot of you guys out there too um and also, we are winding down with all the stuff, and like people are going and doing their shopping and doing all their present stuff, which we were doing up until a million last night, also. And yeah, it was just a good time for cookies. So, we did have that. So, thanks to everybody who came and then took away a bunch of my weird doggy biscuits, and also <laughs> Jenny and Chris's fantastic cookies and everybody else's cookies. And um, we, of course, still have the Bowerbird show up right now. You guys should totally come and see it. If you haven't seen it before, check it out online. Um, There are 90 collections by a ton of awesome artists. Everything from people's like crazy bones and feathers and animal artifacts to their books uh, to their injuries that they have amassed over the years. It's really super fun. And I'm starting to see a lot of the Instagram photos from people that are getting their packages in the mail from that one. Mm So... um, we do have just a couple more days for the uh, Robo Show Call for Art. If you guys have been waiting for us to finally put a Call for Art up, it's up right now. Um, it's up until the 18th. If you want to sign up to be a part of that, all you have to do is go to lightgrayartlab.com slash blog and just a small scroll or two and you'll find the Robo Show picture. It's really ridiculous. It's got some long legs on it. And you can read all about the the call for art. But we're looking for people that want to draw mobile suits, mechs, uh, bionics, cybernetics, all sorts of fun robotic stuff, armored vehicles. So we know there are a bunch of you guys out there that like to draw that stuff. So come on and uh, sign up for this. We're really excited about it. And we should be giving uh, people heads up 
if they're in that show on the 21st. Mm -hmm. So um, take a look and let us know if you have any questions. So guess what came in the mail the other day? What's that? Cosmos. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were talking about gifts. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of that too. The gifts. Cosmos is a gift. Yeah. The greatest gift of all for everybody that has been waiting weeks and weeks and weeks. So you guys, we we had two two shipments of Cosmos decks. The early shipment that we got from our printer and then the slow, 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 slowest of all shipments. And really happy to tell people that we have shipped out all of the Cosmos orders that people have been making. So thanks for waiting a couple weeks for us as we got those um, delivered to our doorstep. And so that was amazing. So if you are still looking to get a last minute gift, we can do uh, quick shipping for you guys. If you want something, just send us a note. We'll try and set it up for you. Um, but they're here again, which is great. So yes. Uh, and then don't we have one more game night? There's one more before we call it quits for the year. And <laughs> I that is it quits forever. For no, her. hopefully not forever. Um, but it is next Thursday. December 17th from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. The theme is helping out, so we're going to be playing games like Operation Flashpoint. That's not even what it's called. (laughs) That's a video game. Operation Faust? I don't know. Oh, wait, what's the thing? A bunch of co-op games. Co-op games. So Flashpoint. Yeah, Flashpoint is what Operation Flashpoint is a video game. We're going to be playing those games, although we will probably be playing one more game of Blood Rage because everyone who was involved in our giant blood rage game last Thursday was immediately like, can we play this again next week? And instead of being like, no, I said yes. What a nice guy. <laughs> that is the holiday spirit. Yeah. That is so More nice. More blood rage. More blood rage. More blood rage. rage. The yep. warmest of all <laughs> things. So um, we don't have anything else going on, do we? No, so actually, just in case you guys are trying to stop by and see the Bowerbird exhibition, we do have all of our holiday hours posted um, on our website and also on the Facebook page and the blog, so you can check that out and figure out when you want to come say hello. Uh, We are actually preparing right now to take off with a couple artists or a group of artists to go to Colorado for our next Lightray Art Camp in Uray, Colorado. So we're going to take people skiing and ice climbing and we're going to go in some hot springs and oh. ring in the new year with lots of like creative workshops and stuff like that. So just in case you're trying to stop by here, we will have a couple people manning and holding down the fort. But we'll be having fun in Colorado. Woo-hoo! <laughs> so exciting. I'm totally going to bust myself like down the hill or whatever. I haven't gone skiing in a billion years, but I'm so excited to fall down a hill. So um, also, you guys keep an eye out for um, new light gray art camps um, every now and again, a couple times a year we take people on artists uh journeys i suppose uh there's a lot of fun times but there's a lot of great creative stuff that we do during those trips and of course like part of what we do uh, and part of the reason why we do all the travel trips is to get you guys out to explore and do things you might not normally do with a bunch of really cool people and so lots of creative stuff lots of exploring lots of interesting places and beautiful stuff to see so um yeah so that's what's going on so Every now and again, we have a New Year's resolution podcast, and we're like, oh, yeah, I didn't do that, and we did this and didn't do that. And I think, like, all of you guys were mentioning that you didn't really have major New Year's resolutions this time, but that I was thinking in response to that, that there's got to be something that you've worked on this whole year, something that you worked on this year that you were like, I could see this being something in the future. Or I could see continuing this thing that you didn't even know about last year. 
So something that you grabbed a hold on that you started to, to dig your teeth into. I wanted to know what that was. What did you do this year that you think is is potentially something interesting that you might do next year? Do you have an example to start yeah, us do off? Yeah, I want to know what yours is. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> well, there I've got two categories of things that I want to do. One thing that I want to do is finish the stuff I said I would do, which haunts me every day of my life. <laughs> but was there something that you didn't know? Like something... Something I didn't do? Or something that you didn't know at the beginning of this year that you picked up throughout the year? Um, yes, I did learn some things. One of them I can't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Off to a great start, okay. (laughs) It is (laughs) not scandalous, but it has possibly something to do with your guys' presence, so I'm not going to tell you. Um, But then uh, I think... Actually, here, here's one thing. This is not new, but this is something that I, I think I go through waves of, of interest. So I always have like a constant interest in teaching. And I have obviously for like 12 years. It's funny because I think even though you do something again and again, and you could probably liken it to, I don't know, reading, drawing, teaching, making stuff, doing mm-hmm. sports, I'm not sure. You're like, yeah, I'm interested in that. But then there are some times when you end a season of something or you end a semester of something or you end a book or you end a project and you're like, I am the best at this. This is the coolest thing that's ever happened. I love everything about this. And then you just want to do it more. And I happen to have an incredible semester and I have no idea. Actually, yes, I do know why it was so good. I just had really amazing people in my class. And every time I went to school, I felt like we had just... The, the most like open, fun, like talented, like driven people. And so I loved going in there. I just loved talking with those guys about everything they wanted to do. And they were trying all these new things. And it's a class called Tools of the Trade, which we switch mediums every two weeks. And so this last final project was they had to do a series of works with uh, mixed media. And they got to choose their topic. But it was basically like a um, a group of things that went together. Some people chose products, some people chose posters, some people did album work. They could basically pick what they wanted to do. The only other time that I think students get to do that in the curriculum at MCAD currently is in their senior thesis project. And and other times they just are assigned things. It's probably different in the fine arts program, but specifically in illustration, you have things you're supposed to be doing, you know, Mm -hmm. so prompts. But at the end of the semester, it was so thrilling to watch these guys do these things that just were echoes of exactly who they were and watching them like make that stuff that I left that class just totally elated. And I was like, I love teaching so much. I should teach more. And then it's funny because I remember a couple years ago, I had a class where nobody did their homework and nobody wanted to be there, and half of them <laughs> would show up. And I remember after that class was over thinking, I should probably teach less. <laughs> I should probably go and do other things. And it's funny because as an adjunct faculty member, I think to myself, like, your experiences totally shape what you want to do more of. And it kind of, like, in a weird subconscious way sometimes, and maybe even in, like, a very serious way, affects how you plan your next year. Already, I've signed up for classes next year, as of you, Chris. 
Right. And I, I guess I'll just go and say right now that mine kind of mirrors yours because um, these aren't really things that I did this year, but they're things that I have thought about for next year and I've decided to do. Teaching is one thing where I finish and I, I like teaching. Okay. <laughs> but after the last time I taught when I had these two classes and they took up a humongous amount of time, just because one of them was like, it was like 10 hours straight of teaching one day, which was a big drain on my life. <laughs> But it was just a long time to stand up and talk. Yeah, I mean, 10 for hours real. Straight is like, I mean, that's public speaking for ten yeah. hours. That's yeah, that's a big deal. Um, you just rub your face in the concrete afterwards, where you're like, Ugh. so after that one, I didn't know if I would want to continue teaching, and I took a semester where I didn't. And then when it came around to this year, I decided that I would, and I actually signed up for two classes again, although they're not back to back like that. So I will be teaching two classes, and it took a little bit of time to like get away and think about it and decide if I wanted to instead of instead of like you where you are riding this high from your class that just ended and you're like I can't wait to teach after mine ended I'm like that was cool but I'm gonna think about it before I sign up for another one so uh, but I did and I'm gonna do it and I, I I think I'm just going to choose more carefully when I teach to make sure that it's that it's classes that I can handle that won't cut into my entire life <laughs> And, and then adjunct faculty. And I'm adjunct faculty too, yeah. So it's it's it is for us just a decision and it's more based at least for me it's more based around wanting to give back, I guess, and make sure that students are learning good things instead of, you know, uh I'm not that they're going to learn bad things, but when you're like taking you on a class, to yeah, share I, with them. yeah. And I actually it's something that I'm passionate about. In fact, at the last game night, the last hour and a half was me talking to people basically running down how that class works because there's a couple people who come to game night who are really interested in product design and really interested in just like trend research one of them has a toy that they want to to make so they're always trying to get a little bit of info about that so i was teaching for or i was i was lecturing them i was literally lecturing for the last like hour of game night about (laughs) you know trend and market research and all sorts of different things and you get a warm feeling and you're in your tummy then <laughs> no but it's fun because it's something that i know about and it's and it's fun to share information with people who want to know it that's what i'm saying it's right. amazing when people are like i'm gonna do everything i want to do whatever you know let's just make stuff and you're like good attitude you mm-hmm. yes let's make the things because making things should be fun you know and like i don't know and i don't know why i get so excited about that but it is funny because it's not new you know teaching's not new but it completely you know, completely makes a difference if, if, I, if I've had a good time. Like, same thing with how complex the shows are or something like that, you mm-hmm. know? Like, if there's a complex one and then we put it up and then we feel totally like we've accomplished some major thing, yeah. then even going through the crazy craziness parts, of it, yeah. the super hard parts, you're like, I could do that again. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But most of the time you're like... Like Dream Arcade, you're like, that was awesome, but maybe I need a little bit of a break from it. Yeah, and that's my that's actually my second one, which is Dream Arcade. And I'm not going to make a video game, but we made yeah. role models, which um was really difficult, if you guys remember. I, I mean remember it, it being yep. difficult. Well, it was difficult for me because I am the one who had to come up with it, but <laughs> yeah. I mean I struggled and it was more like searching for things that we could use. Um and then the book being difficult. Yeah, and and then now that we've had some distance from that, and then Dream Arcade kind of owned our entire life last year, 
Yeah, um, and then all the way up year. till yeah. yeah, all the way up until to January or whatever. But now that it's been a few months, um, I don't know. There was some point about halfway through the year where all of a sudden I started writing down ideas I had for games coming up in the future, and I mean they're not done, but I feel like they were really good ideas, and for the, I was actually excited about them instead of being like I have to do this. This is something we have to do. I was just like writing down all these ideas. So um, my goal now, I guess, is to bring at least one of those to a final point where it's like a polished fun thing instead of just being right now. There's like a bunch of ones that work technically, but you probably you, wouldn't play them on for fun in your free time. <laughs> You'd you play them to that? try and figure out how to make them work better. But um, but but they're actually like I just at this point, I feel like I was struggling to find something previously and at this point, I'm struggling to pare down all of the like ideas and designs that I wrote. So you started and then the floodgates opened. To figure out which ones actually will go into the game and which ones are something that are just going to go on the back burner for a long time. Mm-hmm. But those, I guess those are think? my two things because those are both things where I was like, I might not do this anymore. <laughs> like I might never and make another like, game no, again because I was... I've always been I've always been adamant about I don't want to work in video games. I just it just sounds like a horrible slog. Francesca's trying to ask you a question. Okay. Oh yeah, I was gonna ask. Do you think that having made one was allowed you to think differently? Like it it made your brain re like your your neural neural synapses realigned so oh, yeah, now he's got a weird kind of bridge in there in um maybe but i actually think i think it's more just the fact that we did and, and that the fact that we're always kind of looking for things to put together for shows and things for light gray that it's more at the surface of my mind where previously it wasn't it didn't really occur to me that we would or could make a game so i just wasn't thinking about it and now that we have and now I and we and we've made bigger and better things like the Cosmos box really kind of brings things into a higher production, like more in the board game category where there's like uh, rigid board boxes and more components and all sorts of different things that I see like all the options that we could use. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. although I might be throwing too many components in there. Uh, Chris likes to put little little wooden and plastic pieces in everything. Like if he had his his. Just little wooden cubes. He would be like one cubes tiny cube for every. Well, otherwise you have to think like. of of strange workarounds, it, and sometimes it's just like, what is best for the design? Is it the best to put in these three things that make it really? So, for instance, I'm going to give you an example, and this is going off in a thing, but there was a game where there was a dice that would that dictated what the enemies did, and the dice that dictated what you got to do. Yeah. And I wanted to include a colored red colored dice for the enemies and a blue colored dice for the people. So that way it was clear during the turn order that the heroes roll their dice and then the enemies roll their dice. So if, Which is helpful. Right, and you could use you know like color as an icon or even the shape of the dice if the heroes roll a d6 and the enemies roll a d4 or something what like that. What if that dice was a dollar per game? Well, I mean, that, and that's where it all breaks down into the cost. And but it would be incredibly so. Like, that dice is so that, that <laughs> dollar dice, and it's not going to be a dollar because. Because if you're making a bunch of them, it's less. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go to like, I don't even know what store you'd buy a dice, one dice for a dollar. Like, but you have to match this dice to Pantone. Yeah, maybe if you needed a, a custom dice. 197. But in terms of the clarity, in terms of the clarity that you would be communicating (laughs) to the players and the clarity you could use in the rule book where it's like 
you know, you could, or you could put it on a card and that has the dice color on it and everyone would know exactly what dice they had to roll for this card. Um, so that is something where Lindsay and I go back and forth on what's the better idea. One dollar, Chris. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) But I understand. I completely understand. Well, I think you, when Francesca asked you if your brain synapses or whatever, synapse? Synapses, yeah. Whatever. Your brain connections. Were... If my baby brain is turning into a big, big boy brain. Big boy brain. <laughs> Chris's brain is like heavy on one side. Which side's the side that they're left the brain? The rational right? side. I don't know. I was going to say left right brain, brain and right brain. That's the left. Left brain is. It's really heavy it? on one side. Chris's oh head yeah, and your right, right hemisphere really tippy because it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. little neck. Lean into the side. Heavy with knowledge about games. I'm looking at his head now. <laughs> normal shape. So, but uh, I don't know. But I, I'm sure there's probably like, who who talked about that before? There's like a depletion of the amount of um, energy that you have for certain things. And then you have to let it slowly let it rise recharge. back up. Like a small, like a, like a slow drip until it gets to a decent, like a coffee pot. Yep. Speaking of that kind of a thing. But I could see how the reverse could be true, where you you ride the wave from one thing to the next, and maybe halfway through a project, you're kind of your energy is depleting. But then, as you complete it, and you you know, like with your class, you're just like, oh yeah, sign me up for five classes now, instead oh. of <laughs> instead of uh, being like, I need two years to recoup from this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I do think that that's real, and I think that being excited about stuff does make you want to do more of it. Most likely, you know. And so I think what is interesting about that first question I was asking you guys is that I know there's stuff that you're doing. Francesca, I know you're taking language classes. Mm-hmm. So do yeah. you have an end goal for that or not really? Is it just like you're like, I like it more, and then you're just working to just get better? Or do you are you like, I'm going to be fluent? Or you're like, I'm going to be fluent and be so knowledgeable about the writing component and whatever, I will be a scholar. Of m- For some reason, when I think of, it's funny, because people ask me if I want to be fluent, and I, I do, I do want to be fluent. I think everybody kind of yeah. does. But they also ask the writing part, of, everyone asks, do you want to know the characters? And I'm like, isn't that included? Like, doesn't don't you have to know how to write? But it, but for some reason, it's not. I don't know if it's because. I don't think it is. I mean, I feel like it's like when people are, are illiterate, they still know how to talk. Oh, I suppose that's true. I didn't even think about that. I'm, I'm learning them together. I'm trying to, to get both parts. Um, I do want to be fluent, but I find that it helps not to think real hard about being fluent because you will get depressed because it takes four. That feels like one of those real long-term goals. It is really long-term. And so the only way that I'm going to become fluent is if I'm okay with continuing to study it tomorrow. And that's a funny thing. Is yeah. it actually a goal? to become fluent or are you just like taking it because you like it and you're not even thinking about a end thing i don't it's like it's a little of both like i wouldn't i do like it like i think language is interesting um it's i don't know how to put this i guess i feel like the point of language is to be able to talk to people and i'm excited about the prospect of being able to talk to like other, like more people. And I also learned this week, I should have known this, but uh, Mandarin Chinese is the most spoken language in the world. I knew that. And I believe, what is it? One point, was it 1.5 billion? Yeah. People. 
And then the next highest language spoken in the world is Spanish, and that's 350 or 360 some million. So there's a giant jump before the next. Yeah. Wait, we got to recheck that second one. I believe the first one because I feel like. I feel like everybody is learning English as a second language. Are you talking about first language or second language? But I can't imagine. First languages. Oh, I see what you're saying. Or or just spoken languages. Maybe it's not first languages. I think it might just be spoken. Huh. So it's first it's Mandarin. 350 it's, million? That seems like a lot. It seems like not very much. Really? There's that 7 seems, billion yeah, people in the whole. Yeah, but there's yeah. a lot of countries that definitely don't speak Spanish. Yeah, I... I only need to fact check this, but I remember, let's see, what do I type in most? <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> You're like, wait a second. Most. I know there's like a million dialects and stuff. It doesn't matter. Spoken. It's, it's, it, we could find it and put your facts on the, on the podcast notes too, if you'd like, but yeah, it is interesting. Sure. So I think like when you're talking about like reassessing goals for next year, I think half of it is like, oh yeah, life goals. And then the other half of it is like, how much time do I have next year? And what do I want to shove in this year? And I think that's how I'm thinking about it this year rather than the big, like, you know, big hopeful, like I have some things I'm going to check off on a list. Instead, I'm thinking about next year as I only have 12 months. What's actually humanly possible to Mm -hmm. shove in here? And I don't know why I'm thinking about it as a scheduling thing. Because that makes sense. I guess so. I don't know. I think well, you think about it like when you take when you take classes, you're based on some sort of, I don't know if it's like quarters or semesters or whatever. When I teach, mine is on semesters. You know, if you take pottery classes, it's on like, I don't even know what they call them, but it's like every like six weeks, weeks or yeah. something like that. So there is like very specific timing that you have. And within that time, you can sort of break down your personal schedule and it's funny and I know all of us in this room have like multiple things that we're working on so I have three jobs and I think about that all the time (laughs) because I'm constantly trying to smash them all into a normal schedule and it is it's impossible it's so hard but it's I did that and I couldn't do it destroyed me. <laughs> well see that's the thing but you found a you found a, a remedy for that so it's mm-hmm. jenny's schedule she does some um extra helping on mondays and tuesdays mm-hmm. with another company mm-hmm. on days that she doesn't work here so she kind of has like a division of certain days that are available mine are kind of all on top of themselves with weird hours and it depends on like like if I get a let up in the freelance stuff, if I don't have to do some freelance for a day, I'm usually probably working on light gray art lab stuff. Teaching, I can't move at all. Yeah. So I always have to be there at the same time. So there are some certain priorities of like where time has to be, you know? And it's it's funny because I think anything that is solidly scheduled becomes your first priority. Yeah. You know, like because you can't do anything else about it. No, because you promised somebody you'd be there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how I feel about like install weeks where I'm like, there's nothing else I can do. Like all those other things have to wait because I have to do this. <laughs> because yeah. art has to show up somewhere. Yeah, right. yeah. But it's interesting when you think about that and you're like, well, if I'm going to think about next year as like a goal setting thing, what do I actually have time for? I don't know how many people in the world actually sit there and, and are like, I have 12 months and I have three jobs and I'm going to I'm going to I'm probably going to have 14 hours this quarter 
to do something. What fits in there? And then they don't really break it down like that. I think, and that's probably why it's very hard for some people to do their New Year's resolutions, is that you don't really have a specific thing, specific Mm -hmm. time. But would you schedule, I mean, I wouldn't do it like that, but I definitely schedule, like I write everything down in a calendar planner. And if I can't find a slot for it, I just say no. Like, I, I, at this point, it's gotten to be crazy. Like, I can't... Like, what it, What this, don't you find a spot for? Like... Like, a lunch some, date or, like, a project of making yeah. a graphic novel? Uh, both. And also, like, freelance projects. Sometimes they'll get... You're like, you Francesca, know, do you want to get lunch? And you're like, nope. Graphic novel is on today. <laughs> Actually, yeah. <laughs> I, that sounds weird, but I do have to do that. Because otherwise, I don't do it. You don't do what? Like, you don't do both? I don't do the graphic novel or oh, I'm oh, not doing a graphic novel. I, I don't, I don't work on my projects if I don't schedule them. So I have to say I'm working on this and it doesn't matter. <laughs> Sorry. And I feel bad because I've had to do that a lot lately because December is like that. But, you know. Well, I think that's smart though it. to like mark this. And this is actually one thing that I started maybe, um, I don't know, two months ago or so. And I wish I would have done this always like it makes so much sense usually like so my Sundays are weird because they're a combo of like family time and running errands and finishing stuff and like grocery shopping and whatever else and then the last two months like I've just it sounds cheesy because it's that taking back Sunday (laughs) band but like taking back Sundays has been a huge deal like now Pat and I go for coffee in the morning and then I work on projects and do stuff that I actually want to do during the day and don't just put Aww. all my boring stuff on Sunday. That's you know? nice. I got to figure out how to that do is, that. Yeah. That's which really like nice. I should make more time for creative projects. I just feel like we are so busy and packed with creative projects all day. That's really hard to be, like make time. And also if you don't have anything currently started, it's really hard to start something totally new. Starting is the hardest part. Yeah. yeah. Because mm-hmm. I would rather just, I would rather have somebody hand me a sketchbook and be like, just paint all these. And I'd be like, sounds fun. Because sometimes <laughs> mm-hmm. I just want to paint a thing. And I don't yeah. want to think of anything. Which says a lot about me, probably. But, well, you know. You do think about a lot of stuff, though. You come up with all the good ideas. Well, I, one every eight weeks, maybe. That's a sad thing, well, you know. One thing that or I It's 10 I weeks, learned. 12 weeks, depending on it. Jenny's like, we should put out a call for art. And I'm like, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've done this before, so I I know this is, like, you guys know about this, but one thing that I thought was crazy is, and I remember there was also a video that I referenced a couple times that John Cleese talks about creativity, and even at work, like, so I'm there for eight hours, usually nine hours or whatever, and we will schedule a brainstorm at a certain time to start, and at a certain time and to end at a certain time, and in the beginning, I was like, does that even work? It does work. it totally it works. Work. It's amazing. It's it's the best. And it's funny because like if we schedule in the morning, which is always the best time, we can come up with a new idea and have like a billion concepts and even have started on some finished stuff by the end of the See, day. See, that's really nice. Like of a brand new thing. And I'm like, how did that happen? How do we do because that? Because you need time but to it's do that. You that. I've, like if you don't make time to sit and have like talks like that, that's the thing. Oh, I told myself this podcast I wasn't going to get really angry (laughs) but then I'm like it is so low on some people's priorities 
to do the brainstorm stuff because the little stuff, the stupid dumb stuff that's on fire that you owe somebody is always going to take priority. It is so essential. And that's a funny thing. I think personal brainstorm is weird, but that's just me. I can't sit down and just crank out my own ideas without a sounding board. I cannot do it. It is like... I can... But this is the part that I think is very interesting. And it took me it took me until listening to that John Cleese thing to get it. And it took me an even longer time to see it work. And that is that you have to cap the brainstorm. Like there has to be an end and a beginning. Like a beginning is obviously, but the, the end time must be fixed. And it like one thing I've learned from like this year and stuff is that it doesn't have to be that long. And it, Oftentimes I would get frustrated, especially at the beginning of the year, because like a lot of times my higher ups, they have, they're really busy and they have lots of meetings and we would be talking for 40 minutes and they'd be like, oh, I got to go. And I'd be like, but we're not done. And then, so I would be sitting there and be like, what am I supposed to do? And it's like, well, I guess I have to work with what I have, which ended up being very helpful. So now, like if I'm working on an illustration or something, it's like, okay, I'm going to thumbnail or sketch or knock out ideas for this long. And it has happened in the past where I've knocked out ideas for like maybe an hour and started working and then hated the thing. But then I just repeat the process a different day. And that so far has been an okay thing. And sometimes I like get a random thing that I like an idea, but... I find the end time makes me more willing to do it just because I don't feel like I'm wasting time. Well, I think it makes sense. You also start on something where you have like enough time to work it out and see if it's actually working or not or if the thing that you were thinking about has more content or anything. It gives you a chance to like incubate on what you just brainstormed. I don't know because I think your brain can't take it after a while. Plus yeah. Jenny's brain yeah. can't take it. She's like, Lindsay, shut no, up. I, I, I'm the same way. And it's, like I said, sometimes it's, it's weirdly helpful to have that, like to be forced to have to come up with ideas. That's, this sounds so weird, but to have to come up with ideas in an hour. And you're like, okay, well, whatever we got, we've got. And you get, in the beginning, maybe the ideas aren't so good, but you get better at it. You know, you get better at thinking like that and like coming up with faster ideas. I don't know if you do, though. I, I think I don't know. I don't you repeat yourself like all day every day if you don't have if you don't have the ability to to critique after you've come up with a bunch of ideas. Don't you feel like everything well, you, you have is just like kind of a one sided, one faceted something sometimes? That's exactly yeah, how I but, feel with everything that I just instantly come up with. I'm like, this is not good enough. And I'm like, I can't tell why it's not good enough, but it seems like a piece of something, not like the full thing. And an hour seems yeah. so hard. It seems like a good start, but it. But if somebody were like, you have to come up with a new show concept in an hour, I would be like, that seems impossible. Like, I wouldn't even have I mean, time I'd to be, think about it. I'd be curious to, to see if it, how it works in this situation, because maybe it doesn't. But one thing... Do you usually have all your that, parameters? Is that why? You're like, I already know what this is yeah, supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, we have a lot of parameters. And that's why I think it's also gotten easier, is because now I've memorized those parameters, and they, they're burned into my being. So I don't even, there's, my brainstorm is kind of within a. Okay, like that a makes sense. Pool. So you're not starting from scratch. It's not, so that that totally makes sense because you're checking it against the critique already. You're like, does it fit the thing? Does this work? Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I could, I can understand but that. I also think that maybe the difference between what you're imagining and Francesca's saying is you're, it seems like you're saying like, 
you sit down and after an hour you have decided what you're going to do permanently forever and i think that yeah, it no, is it's not. i think it's more beneficial to do limited brainstorm sessions on a more regular basis or yeah, like on okay. a smaller subject. so you so instead of just like so banging long? your head you yeah. go everyone goes their separate ways and this is the way we used to work when i worked at a product design place with a small team of like five people we would sit down for 45 minutes mm-hmm throw i ide- throw out ideas and then everyone would you know at a certain time whenever you know people had to leave or whatever we would just break and sometimes there'd be good ideas and somebody might say can you do some sketches based on that or can you you know like i don't think that's going to work but can you think about it a different way and then you know the next day or maybe the next week or something we would come back and have another meeting and and sometimes you have the luxury of having so a thing like that for a second yeah and i mean in yeah. that case in francesca's case it's nice because you're you're paid to be there and you're paid to have these one hour meetings or whatever. So it feels less like a throwaway, if that makes sense. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because it it's a structured it, thing and everyone's like, okay, this is what we're here to part do. Part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of the process. It, it was baked into the development cycle. It was baked into the, the just, you know, like when you're like, if we're going to make a hundred ornaments, don't forget to include time to think about all of them and talk about all of them before we start making them. Um, and I think a lot of our clients don't consider that a part of the process no, because we are not because idea making it's, it's like the second you start drawing is when they want, right. They want like that's billable so hours for drawing They're and like, actual and physical like, concrete things. I mean, that's the funny thing. I think it's just the difference between people that don't do creative stuff very often or don't work with creative people very often it's, I think it's also the in-house versus out-of-house because they see they an see invoice. The yeah, yeah, they see an invoice they're like, and they're like, why are these are hours doing? here? Whereas if like, I had to thinking. bill, yeah, yeah, if you had to bill for every meeting when you work inside of a company, if they had to like see, maybe see a price tag on the meetings, I'm they sure might consider it differently. But instead people. they just see like a salary or something they're for like, a yearly thing. And they're like, yeah, we did make a lot of product lines. I guess these salaries we're paying these artists is justified. Whereas if if they had to see this meeting, yeah. like why did we meet seventy five hours to make? It is really interesting. You know, all of the invo- or all of the estimates that I have to write are usually broken down in an a la carte fashion, where I'm like sketch time, trend trend research, market analysis time. You know, like phase but that's one also design. kind of like an interesting thing of just um, I, I trying to like brainstorm in the trend trend market. Yeah, I know it's part of it, but yeah, yeah, but sometimes there's even brainstorms before you even start the trend part. It's well, kind when of, you're talking, you're getting the project brief. You're already thinking, and that's the funny thing. I mean, that's like, and you're hopefully like getting some sort of thing to check your brainstorm on. Like you're saying, Francesca, if you have an end goal and you you know what it is so well, because somebody's like, these are the brand initiatives, and this is what you're working towards. You're like, great. And while they're telling you all that, you're thinking in your head, oh, I have so many ideas. And you're like, I could go yeah. any of these places. And then you're like, all right, when I actually sit down and do my research, something will start to solidify. I do agree with you. I think when I'm doing client projects, I can do an hour brainstorm and be done. I'm just going to choose well, one. I'm not going to freak out about it. You know, I'm going to be like, time to work now. Pick one and just go, you know. I think that, so like, it is, it's true that depending on the way that you work, like if you're working freelance versus in-house, that that system is kind of structured completely differently, but also taking it outside of like work and paid work and just personal projects. One thing that I found beneficial about the short brainstorms, and I think I'm going to kind of, 
kind of piggyback after off of something you said earlier, Chris, which is the idea that you have more than one of these. So almost in, when I'm starting a project, especially if it's a bigger one, it, I find it better to do a short brainstorm, work on it a little bit, see how it goes, and then, you know, kind of, if need be, brainstorm more later. Like, have many short ones, or not many, but, you know, a few. And there is something that was in the Pixar book that I read, which is this idea that you need to make stuff, and you need to perhaps make mistakes, but you need to make things to know whether or not it's any good. Like, you won't really know it's good or not until you've made it. And the more you make stuff, the better you get at making or recognizing, you know, something good or something not. And sometimes you don't even get better at that. Sometimes you just have to keep making to land on the right thing. And I thought that was interesting because I I do, I mean, especially if I think about it in school, my goal was to come up with this, like, perfect, awesome idea. And I would... I would bang my head on the wall and try and come up with a thing and procrastinate because I couldn't think of anything. But there was something so much more productive and just like, all right, let's take what we've got and start working. Well, I think that makes sense. Even like I was, I was re-envisioning like what we did for the cosmos. And it's funny because at the very beginning or even last year, this time when we were brainstorming the project, like we had a lot of ideas of what direction it could go or how to categorize the constellations or what pieces should be in the major arcana but it wasn't until we were like in the project that we knew like the best solutions you know so you sometimes have to like pick a route and work things out which it happens early on because you're figuring out all the details and researching and stuff but it's funny Mm -hmm. because things do like flush itself out as you're working because if you just sat like in your seat and made all the decisions right up front, it would probably be a worse version. So it's funny to hear you say that because I think you seem to be more comfortable as a person with knowing all of the things before and not changing them in the middle. Is that true? Uh, Because I know you just said what you said, but then I'm also thinking about our process and and changes sometimes seem to disrupt your concept of what it was supposed to be. And I know you have a hard time with that. I do. Why, I mean, why do you think you think one way and, and then sometimes when it happens, it's a... Yeah, so with a creative project, it does work better to, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I was thinking of improv. I was also thinking of, like, intuition and sort of, like, reading what is happening and reacting to it. And that makes more sense as a creative process for me in, like, an administrative side of thing or as, like, a schedule person like it makes more sense to be like this is the day this has to be done in order for all the things that follow to be done Mm -hmm. so I always know if we are running behind everything is going to run behind which stresses me out so So even in cosmos we had we had to push a couple things out because of just there were other things that were on fire first yeah and so unfortunately our schedule there didn't stick to its original thing had it we would have been done before we went to Bryce Canyon, which was in June. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. we were like, "Great, it's going to be off to the printer and be here really early." And then, and then it wasn't. And then we decided to make the book cooler. And then yeah, we decided which was to good, make like that. Like it's yeah. good that we you give the project what it deserves, but sometimes you don't know what it deserves till you're in it. Yes, you know. And then as it went, 
after the book got cooler, then the box got cooler. And then the printer got cooler because we switched printers in the middle of it. And yeah. then and then so on and so forth until, you know, until it showed up. But it was it's interesting because I do and I'm going to ask all you guys this. I do find comfort in the vision of what something is supposed to be. In fact, I think I am in the camp of people that would prefer to to envision the final thing as completely as possible and then start on the beginning parts. And that way I sort of have the ability to work towards that. And even if it changes in the middle, which it often does, um, I have kind of a path that's set that's like, oh, okay, so here's what's next and here's what comes after that. And so it's very hard to just work on the beginning parts and then see what it morphs into. It's always towards this complete project. I think the Cosmos is a great example because not only was it a printed work, which had its own like pathway of random stuff, but it was interesting also trying to connect the production of the deck with the exhibition. To give you an example of what I'm talking about, the exhibition had um, a variety of sizes of pieces that were printed on our archival printers. They also each had a fiber optic installation, um, a, a constellation on each of them that had a faux gold foil look to it. They were not the exact same proportions as the cards, um, and they were not the same layouts as the cards. So there were the cards, even though they had the same artwork on them, had text constellations, and and the constellations themselves were a different color because of what they are. So there was there were processes between both of them that could not have been streamlined any more than they were. And it was interesting because we got to the point where we sent off the deck. And we had already specced out a production file, which anybody that's ever had to do one knows what I'm talking about. Your foil is, you know, you have a layer that's bright blue. It doesn't look like gold foil. It's bright blue. It's in Illustrator. Everything is at three inches by five inches. Or, you know, it's like a tiny little thing that has to be its own file. And then we have another giant batch of files somewhere for the exhibition. Totally different. That have to be treated with a fake gold foil and a different layout and a whatever and whatever. And we had to size them differently. And it's interesting because we sat there for a second trying to figure out what is the most efficient way to do both of these things. And it just turned out it was impossible to do them both at once. Even now Mm -hmm. as we print orders for people that are ordering things, we have to go back and recreate files for people. Mm -hmm. And it it would have been fantastic, and I think this is where the brainstorming stage would have been. I mean, I think we did it, so I don't know if we could have done it any better until we saw the files. No. But like, yeah. it would have been great to be able to figure out something that would have let us do everything once, and then batch save or something. Yeah, well, you know? I think it would have been hard though to I don't work think we at could such have. big, oh, like such yeah. a big scale. Yeah, it would have just crushed crushed everything. the computers. Yeah. yeah, so like these were doing individually per order, adjusting all the files to make sure they can be printed at whatever size somebody wants with all the details somebody wants. And it's funny because you know? I think from the outside, anybody that looks at the shop sees that there are three options that you can get. You can get mm-hmm. a big version of the card. You can get the constellation in the name, or you can get just the print of the artwork. Mm-hmm. And every single one of those has to be touched by a human being and made yeah. to look like what it's supposed to look like at the time that somebody puts it in an yeah. order. So it's funny because the project itself is like a massive behemoth in the fact that it has iterative like 
stages. And so I think about that and I'm like, even so, even with all of that stuff and not being able to visualize exactly how long that was going to take, we still had two different visions, one of what the deck would look like and one of what the experience would look like. And I think that was really helpful in the brainstorm stage of saying like, what do we want this to feel like? Right. And you I know? do think the the experience side of things like dictated what the box and the project and everything else looked like because we wanted those to relate too yeah like you had a specific vision of what you wanted people to feel and it's interesting i feel like that that part is funny because if we go way back to the beginning and i'm still going with cosmos because i think most people have seen it by now Mm -hmm. um we didn't even see the artwork until like may until may and by then we had already specced out a box we already got pricing we already had done a run a bunch of numbers to see if it was possible to mount all these things and put fiber optics in every time we do a show like that it's funny because you don't even know what it's going to look like right you have no idea it could come back and everybody could just like draw wieners on everything (laughs) and we'd be like time to print this box full of wieners and you're like (laughs) but you you know but you would react to that differently you wouldn't you would not print a box so when you'd say okay okay well this didn't work we're gonna do something else well, now. yeah you it, might though i mean if I, you told everyone it was going to be a box of yeah. leaders, then i think that, i mean that's the thing if you, to, if you told them we'd be like, like the like you, the cosmos box looks very serious so i think if it does it was a box of wieners you'd probably do a less serious i would design. make a shaped box that is appropriate for that one so <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though. I do think that we would we would have reacted to what came back. And yeah. of course, the funny thing is in the art direction process, which is zero really. Um all we do is we're just like, well, here's the size and then we try to do our best to put a combination of people that we think whose work is going to look great in a in a setting, but that's about as far as it goes, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's always very, very interesting. I think this project was a great one. I yeah. Think it- well, that was one of the things that I was actually going to say I was thinking about because actually the entirety of 2015, we were working on the cosmos and thinking about it. And that was one thing that at the beginning of the project, I was completely intimidated by how much content there was in like astronomy and astrology and the zodiac and the signs. Would we be able to and figure constellations. it out? Yeah. And like I couldn't pronounce half of the constellations at the beginning just because they're so foreign to me and I was completely intimidated because there are experts in all of these fields and so it took a long time probably by May or June before I was really comfortable with like a lot of the symbolism and meaning and the houses houses. yeah yeah and it sort of forced me to learn a different like I'm going to equate this to Francesca learning a new language like becoming fluent in something and I'm definitely not an expert still, but I feel comf- comfortable enough in all of the stories and metaphors and everything else that I can relate to them. And I was actually holding up, I have that Star Trekker app on my phone, and I was holding it up the other day and completely looked at all the constellations and knew them all and understood like how they relate in the sky. And I could be like, if I look this direction, I'm going to see this one right now. And it felt good to be that familiar or something. You know? Isn't that funny? That yeah. must have been really interesting too, where you're just like, you don't really have an end goal to be like an astronomy or an astrology, you know, expert. Yeah. But you're right. like through, through what you did last year, of course, like every, every, and this is something that you know, you look backwards in time and you can kind of tell how it's happened. But the um, 
North Star Tarot Conference that we went to three years ago. It was. Yeah, it, yep. Um, we went to for the first time as a keynote speakers for the light gray tarot. And then we were like, oh, that was fun. And then so we showed up last year and we were like, that was great. <laughs> and then we're like, that's amazing. And so now we're thinking about going again. And it's funny because you don't plan for that. You don't plan to be a repeat person mostly um, unless you had a good time, you know, or unless you feel like accomplished or unless you feel like you've got some sort of traction or something. I don't know what I'm going to do next year except for try to figure out my, like, scheduling better. I have, like, mm-hmm. I have like personal goals that, of course, are also, because they have to be tied in with business goals, and those all are, like, be more efficient, which is, like, nebulous you don't even know what that means you know yeah you're like no, that that's that's the worst that's like the it's, you know it's you funny because i feel like your scheduling as soon as you get it under control you're like we should add in another project i do <laughs> that i don't know how that happens i think i get excited that i feel under control yeah because i feel like chaos is helpful in some respects mm-hmm. well and, you have things started mm-hmm. oh yeah and yeah. also i think francesca we talked about this feeling challenged is a huge motivation for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I like feeling challenged. I don't like feeling overwhelmed. I don't like feeling complacent. I feel like you can do both. Yeah. Over- or you, you, can have, you can have not overwhelming but still feel Well, challenged. I was actually just talking to a MCAD student about this the other day. They were in the gallery and we were talking about time management and they were saying that they – needed to focus on like what they know in art making and what they what they feel comfortable doing and I told them I was like it's funny because in art making you either feel like you don't know what you're doing well enough or you're super challenged or you feel comfortable and are going to take a big risk to feel challenged again and so there's never you're either like completely unsure or unsatisfied and there's like no point where you're like this is awesome I feel amazing. I'm going to do so, the same thing forever? Yeah, I don't think anyone ever wants to do the same thing forever. Yeah, no. That would be super be boring. Yeah. Super boring. Also, what's the point of art then? <laughs> what if you keep doing the same thing? Well, that's the know. funny thing. You know, and you said this earlier. How did how did you put it? But you were saying that there was a point in... Oh, no, you told me what I told you. And I said somewhere, and I forget how I said it, but I was like, in 2012... Did I say this on the podcast already? I don't think so. I don't know what you're saying. In 2012, it took us six weeks to rehab the space to get it ready for the very first show here. And everybody except for Jenny remembers what this was like. We were painting the walls. We were redoing the floors. We were installing lights. We were moving our last studio over to this one and getting ready and all this kind of stuff. And it was so much work. And I hit a point where I thought I was having a mental breakdown. And I know I went to dinner with Chris one day and I felt like I was gonna die like it was so hard do you remember that Mm. we went to some weird restaurant in downtown and I just was like lying on the table thinking (laughs) how could it get any crazier than this and I and when it was over and we actually opened the doors I thought to myself like like how what do I do now like, I just didn't even know what to do because we had been running at such like a breakneck speed and all of a sudden it stopped because the doors were open and we just had to be there. 
And I was like, I feel both useless now because I'm not doing anything, but also for six weeks doing that amount of stuff, I was like glad to have a break. So it was very conflicting, almost depressing kind of like thing. Yeah, we both went home and then I turned on the, my video game console, which had been ignored for a long time. And then I was just like, what do we do now? And then Lindy's like, uh, this know. was directly after the first opening. Like we, this is directly the night of the opening. I was yeah. painting on a painting on the wall, <laughs> and then we like stood back and we have photos of this opening. And I somehow still look like a human being, but we had been staying up all night, breathing in fumes from you know painting everything and you know probably asbestos in the ceiling when we were replacing and all this kind of stuff. And we opened the doors and nobody knew, and it was ridiculous because yeah we were like what do we do now and then we we're like well we have to do something else and then we we're like i don't know what that well, is well it's funny because we were both like everything is done what do we do now and then the next day we're like oh continue on doing all the other things and and now we still feel like we never have any time so it's not like we just finished it and we're like I mean, I guess we just started the next phase after that. And that's the funny thing. And when you were saying, oh, now that we feel comfortable, now we add an, another phase on there, we have done, probably have gone at the same pace that I felt on that day, but it has felt like no big deal. See, and I that, think there was like a week this summer where I felt like that. I felt like my You're like, I could not do off. anymore. <laughs> yeah. You're like, there's yeah. no way a human could do these things. Yeah. And then yeah. you do it and you're like, that wasn't that bad. Every, every like, every like... <laughs> few months i f- i think there's a meeting where especially jenny it ends and then jenny just looks like she's gonna cry yeah <laughs> yeah no so i'm tired. gonna i'm gonna counter that and say that i i know that feeling mm-hmm. and i don't want to have it i don't like it it's See, horrible that's so interesting it's funny you know i watched uh anthony bourdain show whatever that one is jenny told me to watch it it's so good parts unknown yep and he goes to France and he is just like starstruck because he's talking to all this like, I don't know, 80 year old chef who's yeah, on the ladder of. of the, it's like the chefs that have influenced every cooking And this ever. ancient old man is sitting at a table and Anthony Bourdain is just fawning over him. He's like, oh, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And he goes, okay, so I know that that behind every great chef was a harsh horrible angry manager <laughs> another chef somewhere and he goes who who is the one that hits you on the knuckles and yelled at you all the time and he goes oh it's this one lady and then they panned out to the big tree of like whatever and it's funny because i think about i was thinking about that and i was just like yeah well you know we're a team so it's not like we're all screaming at each other or hitting each other on the knuckles or anything but it's but it was interesting watching him talk to this guy who inspired him that was talking to the you know talking about this lady who was like the mother of concepts for whatever. And thinking like she drove all of those people. There's like a tree. What is what what would you say? It's like a, like family, a family tree. tree yeah. Of everything that happened from whatever she was doing. And the like I was thinking about it, I was like, wow, that that lady probably had some concept of what was happening and it probably was really hard to work underneath her expectations. And I know that, like, it sounds like I'm trying to relate this back to, like, a hierarchy here, but I'm not. I'm I'm thinking about it as, like, 
we have expectations of what the concepts are. So our lady at the top is like the last thing that we did that was the coolest. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody told me once that nobody cares. <laughs> somebody said nobody cares that your shows yeah, are really big and crazy. Care. That's and I yeah. think all the people who yeah, are involved care to do something Yeah, I think that's the most important part. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this when you're talking about your brain bridge with Chris. Like, yeah. the first time you do a game, it's really hard. Yeah. And then the next time it's going to get easier because you've already climbed this, like, massive hurdle for the first one. I'm sure that's how mountain climbers feel. Yeah, that's they're like, I'm going to climb, climb K2. K2. And then you're like, stop it. Stop climbing <laughs> they're K2. They're like, I already did all the easy ones. Now I need a challenge. And you're like, oh, guys. You're like, just look at it. It's just. That's a challenge. Yeah, it's a challenge. You got to go there and stare at it. But this probably is exactly what it is where you're like, well, I could see what this is like. I want to I wanna feel the same feeling that I did because I think I can do this. And I think I could do it and it looks hard and it looks tough. But if it turns out the way, you know, not even the way you're expecting, but if it turns out at all, <laughs> you know, you're like, I've made some sort of personal ground here thinking about either like being able to accomplish something that was totally not possible before this or whatever and I, I, we've obviously talked about risk and we've talked about like what makes you comfortable doing something that seems ridiculous but I guess it it kind of depends on too like where your line is drawn because I I definitely think pushing yourself and working harder and being uncomfortable or sacrificing is important but then it's like where do you where is the line well, drawn on sacrifice? I think it's just important for people to know what their personal priorities are. Because I think yes. if everybody knows that feeling uncomfortable is not what they want to do, then they're not going to do it and they shouldn't do it. Not everybody should be doing that if it makes them miserable. I feel like the people that are interested in feeling uncomfortable are the ones that put themselves in that position for the most part or at least mm-hmm. chase the things that make them feel like that or at least that's how it should be if you are hating it you should not be doing it you know like mm-hmm. everybody can feel a little uncomfortable while they're learning because that's it's humbling and it's terrifying yeah, you have to you have to that's that's one thing that is awesome about learning this and taking a class in something that I don't could be anything, but something I have zero knowledge on is you are like less than a piece of dirt. That's like when you watch you the no universe um, documentary or whatever, right? You're yeah, like, I'm like, a small micro. Yeah. <laughs> but you, but because of that, you let go of, of every, it's so funny because like, I think about all the people in my class and we all have backgrounds and we all are good at stuff. Like everybody in that class I've since learned is pretty amazing at something, but it didn't, doesn't matter. It seriously doesn't matter what you're good at. Like, we all suck at this one thing, and we're kind of just, like, working together and very humbled by our lack of knowledge on this and one I thing. And I think that's and it, okay. That I find inspiring. Yeah, and I, I mean, I feel like that's all right. That's the funny thing about deciding what kind of person you are and whether or not that, like, feeling humbled is bothers you or if it's something that you're okay with. And I feel like it is interesting because I do know there are people that set out with a vengeance to prove that they can do something that's really hard and that's what motivates them and there are other people that are like I'm just along for the ride and this is fun and that's it and that's how they look at it so there are people that are angry about learning and there are people that are not angry about learning you know or Mm -hmm. angry and motivated or angry and just angry you know and I don't know how that is determined but I do think it's very interesting when you think about like time passing and thinking about how 
your past is obviously, um, you know, dictating what you think is possible in the future. I don't know if I do have super specific New Year's goals, except for the fact that I want to continue to be challenged with whatever. And I like complex, interesting things just naturally. I like learning stuff. I don't know yet what I'm going to learn, but like Jenny was said with the cosmos, sometimes it just comes with the project. You just learn it because it's part of like the theme of something, Mm -hmm. you know, robo shows coming up and who knows what we'll learn for that part. Probably some interesting stuff, you know, Um, but I am not really sure. I think I've sort of pinpointed a feeling that I'm looking for in 2016 rather than a end goal. And then, of course, my end goal is a finishing great personality. I'll put that on there. It's just it gnaws at the back of my head all day. <laughs> I have to. I think we've all got. I know. Ideas. Well, one day I'm going to make an infographic, which nobody likes looking at, but I'm going to make one detailing how complex things get and then i'm gonna only feel i'm just gonna look at it and then cry and then i'm gonna show it to people who don't care and then they'll be like you should finish that game already anyway and i'll be like i know (laughs) so but anyway it's on my radar i need to update the blog see this is a thing you just are reminded of all the the stuff that 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 you didn't do that you didn't do and it's not because you didn't want to do it it's just because it didn't well i mean so I knew your sucks. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking about when you were talking about small check-ins and, like, small brainstorms, like, a bunch of them. I was thinking about that with New Year's goals. Yeah. And, like, if you did sit down with yourself every two months and you're like, am I doing this thing? I'm sure you'd actually, like, do your goal, but that also... But would you do the things you want to be doing at the time? See, maybe? that's what I was going to say. It Maybe yes. it would prevent you from doing what you are, like, Into else. at the moment? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. I do think that that's important. And I don't know. I, I do think it's interesting. Well, we do have a couple weeks to refine our goals if we actually have some New yeah. Year's goals. So okay. we'll see how that goes. You can think hard about what you want to learn next year. That's a good one. Chris wants to amass his um, 500 game collection. Chris, your goal will be to put all of them into Tabletopia. <laughs> that's your... <laughs> I made it for you. I don't, you. Think, I don't think I have the access to do that, but that's okay. Oh, he's just like... Just shove them all in there. Yeah. Well, that's really funny. I'm sure I'm sure there is a thing somewhere in there, probably for all of us, unless you already know. Do you know? No, I have no idea. You have no idea? You got. I already said mine. What was yours? Make a game and not die teaching. Oh, yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll think about mine, too. Uh, maybe I'll just stop eating sugar altogether. That's a decent one. I'm not really sure. People do that all the time. Or they say they're going to do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Make sure you guys check out the Barbara Show up on the uh, website and the shop and all the things. And I hope you guys um, enjoyed the cookie party. And, of course, as we wind down here for the end of the year, good luck with all your goals and finishing all your things and all your deadlines before um, New Year's happens. But it'll be a good... Uh, th- it was a good year so far. Mm-hmm. It was a good year. We mm-hmm. did good things. Good job. Mm-hmm. So where can people find us? You can email us at podcast at lightgrayartlab.com. You can find us on Twitter. We're at lightgrayartlab. You can like us on Facebook and find out about upcoming shows, events, and more. You can follow us on Tumblr. We're at lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. You can follow us on Instagram, lightgrayartlab. 
And you can subscribe to this show on the iTunes Music Store or stream it directly from Stitcher Radio. Awesome. Thanks again, you guys, for listening, and we'll talk with you soon. Speaking of hair, I had a dream where I was painting Pat's hair. I like hair how you're on. like. <laughs> I was. No. I woke up in the middle of painting his hair on. He needed help, bad. and I needed to help him put his hair back on. I bet no. it was and I, I had to do a big swoop like this with it because for whatever reason I, I was like Pat likes even how it Pat's hair looks. When, when his hair is swooping across his forehead, so I need no. to paint it that way. And then I was like, "Does Pat's hair look like that?" I don't think <laughs> no. so. Maybe when he had weird. It did sometime hair. when it was Maybe long when he hair. When he had hockey hair. Yeah. Oh yeah. What? That was too bad. Are you beatboxing? Are you eating the microphone? <laughs>